So let's launch into today's lesson. As most of you know, we just recently finished a study through the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was all about how we rebuild the kingdom and how we rebuild the community. So now what we're looking at is we're looking at the one another passages. And I think this is the perfect time for this because as we come out of the pandemic and as we start to meet back together and as we look at how do we rebuild our church family, we need to think about how we treat each other and how we behave towards one another. So we started last week with love one another. And I did that for a reason, <coughs> excuse me, because I don't think you can go wrong with starting with love. And then everything else builds off of that. But if I had to pick what would be the second most important, and again, this is just my opinion, I think it's to pray for one another. That's what we're going to unpack here this morning, is we're going to unpack this idea of really praying for one another. Now, I believe in the power of prayer. Do you believe in the power of prayer? I believe that prayer works. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of others. I believe that we access the power of God through prayer. I honestly believe that with all my heart, and I hope that you do too. But that's what we're going to look at today. And today we're going to kind of focus on this idea of praying for one another. So not praying to ask for things from God, not praying selfish prayers of God I need. We're going to look at that power of when we come together as a church family, when we come together as a community, and we put our own needs aside and we pray for one another. So that's what we're going to look at here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to join me here in just a few minutes, and we're going to be jumping around a little bit, but stick with us. So the big idea from today is as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we access the amazing power of God through prayer. Now, <laughs> we know that God is amazing, and we know that God is powerful. God breathed this whole universe into existence. And if he can do that, think of the things that he can do in your life and or the life of others. And you can tap into that power that God has when we go to him in prayer. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. You know, I saw this staggering statistic the other day, and don't ask me how they came up with this, and I don't even know if it's true, but it really made me stop and think. And it was something to the effect of when we tell somebody, I'll pray for you, or I'm praying for you, about 75% of the time we don't. About 75% of the time we don't. Now, think about that in your own life, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything, and I know that I've been there, done that. Have you ever told somebody, I'll be praying for you, and you get sidetracked, you get busy, and maybe you had the best of intentions to pray for that person, but life just happens sometimes, and we forget, and we get sidetracked. That's okay. But think about the technology that we have today. When I read that statistic and I thought about 75% of the time, we don't actually pray for that person, I started thinking, how do I correct that in my own life? And I'm going to give you some examples of what I've started to do kind of in my own life. I've tried to become more intentional about prayer for others. So one of the things that I've done is when I tell somebody, hey, I'm praying for you, I try to pray for them right there on the spot. If we're in person, I'll just say, hey, would you mind if we just pray right now? Some people are comfortable with that and some people aren't, and that's okay. Or if I'm on the phone with somebody, hey, why don't we just say a quick prayer right now? Because guess what? If I do it right now, I'm not going to forget. Another thing I found that is very beneficial is text messages. And I know some of you are going to roll your eyes about text messages, but stick with me. 
I love to text prayers to people. And the reason that I do that is because, number one, I can use speech to text. I don't have to type it all out. But number two, not only do they know I'm truly praying for them, but guess what? They can go back and reread that as many times as they need to. Because sometimes prayer is something that we take for granted. And we think, everybody knows how to pray. But guess what? Maybe if they weren't raised in the church, or maybe they're not affiliated with the church at all, they may not know how to say those difficult prayers. And if you send that to them by text or by email, not only do they know, hey, this person loves me enough, this person cares for me enough that they're praying for me, but they have that prayer. And when times get difficult, guess what? They can go back and they can read it again. And they can read it again and again and again. We have the technology to make sure that we aren't just saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm praying for you, but to make sure that we're actually doing it. Sister Mary Vaughn sends out a prayer list every week. So we know of some of the people in our, within our midst and our extended family that need prayer. What a great opportunity when you see that email come in every week to say a quick prayer for those people before we forget and before we get busy. So that's the first thing I want to just encourage you guys to do is find your way to pray for each other. And whatever that may be, maybe you're not comfortable praying with people on the spot. That's okay. But find a way to remind yourself, find a way to remind them that, hey, I care about you enough and I love you enough that I really am praying for you so they know that you're lifting them up in prayer because prayer is powerful. There is nothing better than having a community of believers, whether it be a small group, whether it be your family, whether it be your church family, that you know are lifting you up in prayer, that you know care about you enough to be praying for you. And I hope that you're all doing that. And I know that we're, we're in the process of trying to, to reimagine what, what our small groups or our life groups are going to look like. And hopefully at one point, we'll get to that point where we can start meeting together in small groups. But it's powerful when you sit down and you pray with and for one another. You know, my wife and I, um, <coughs> we went through some challenging times uh, when Mia was being born. And they had told us, hey, look, you're, you're going to, she may have some, some serious issues when she's born. And Lizzie was having some issues with her blood pressure and spent some time in the hospital. And I can tell you, there was nothing that gave us peace more than when people were praying for us. When somebody took a time to send us a text message and said, hey, I'm praying for you right now. That was life-changing for us. We needed that, and when we needed it the most, our family and our church family and our friends came together and said, hey, we're praying for you. And it gave us that strength, and it gave us that courage to say, you know what? God has got this, and everything is going to be okay. See, you have the ability to be that person to someone else. So let's get in the Word. We're going to be in James chapter 5 to start with. So if you want to open your Bibles, your Bible app, your computer... We're going to start off in James chapter 5, verse 13. <clears throat> it says, if any of you are in trouble, let them pray. It's pretty cut and dried, right? If anybody's in trouble, let them pray. It says, if anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. Because see, God, just like anybody else, doesn't want to hear from you just when you need him and just when things are bad. Right? Do you have friends like that? 
We all have friends like that, right? You only hear from them when they want something, when they need something, when they need you, when things are not going the way they want them to go. All of a sudden, they're all over you. But when things are going good, you don't hear from those people. When things are good, you don't hear from them. Well, God doesn't want to just hear from you when you need him or when things are going bad. Now, don't misread that. That's not to say you shouldn't go to God when things are bad. But he wants to hear from you when things are going good, too. Because, see, it's easy to praise God when things are good right? It's easy to praise God when things are going your way. It's a lot more difficult when things are not going your way. So here James is saying when you're joyful, absolutely praise God. But I want to encourage you when things are not good to also praise God because we know that he'll see you through. Let's go ahead and move forward to verse 14 as we continue in the text It says, if anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I love that even back in the time that the Bible was written, the elders played a key role in the church. See, we know that that eldership is a biblical principle. It's a biblical concept. And even back from the early church in Acts, we know that the elders played a major role. See, our elders are chosen for a reason, because they have the gifts. They have the gifts to help our church. They have the maturity of age, just kidding. They have the maturity of wisdom, right, to be able to know how to be a shepherd to the flock. And I, and I love that term. I, I love when the elders are referred to as the shepherds. Because if you know anything about shepherds, shepherds was a tough job. Okay, we think of shepherds and we kind of joke around about, you know, they wore robes and they carried the big stick and all that. Shepherds fought off animals to protect the flock. Shepherds went out into dangerous places and protected the flock. The shepherds led them to the food and to the water. See, the shepherd was an important job, just like with our eldership. It's an important job that is not to be taken lightly. And I know for a fact that all of our elders meet the qualifications. I know that all of our elders spent time in prayer to discern, is this what God would have to do for me? And bless our eldership, because you know what? They're volunteers, and they make some really tough decisions. And I've often said I'm glad I'm not an elder, because I don't want to make those decisions. But all joking aside, they have a tough job. But with that maturity that they have, that spiritual maturity, that biblical maturity, that biblical wisdom, guess what? It makes them a a powerful ally when it comes to prayer. And I know for a fact that all of our elders are available to you to pray at any time that you may need them to. Maybe you just don't have the words, or maybe you just need the support and the guidance of a mature Christian who can walk alongside you and pray for you. Our our elders are here for that. Matter of fact, at the end of my lesson today, when we give the invitation, I'm going to invite our elders to come forward. And if you would like them to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray with you, to help you pray for someone else, you'll have an opportunity to do that today. But I want to encourage you that that doesn't just happen on Sundays. Our elders are here for you every day. The the, The scripture also says they anointed with oil. Now, I thought this was interesting, a little Bible trivia for you. The only other place in the New Testament that they talk about being anointed with oil is in Mark chapter 6, verse 13. So it's not something that's talked about a lot. 
And it's not something that we necessarily talk about a lot. So I did a little research and I, and I got to looking at this and I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Why are they anointing with oil? Because I quite frankly didn't know. There's a couple of theories. Now, I can't tell you exactly what theory James is referring to, but there's a couple of theories. One is that it had a medicinal purpose, which is kind of funny because now, you know, essential oils and all that are all the rage. But oils back then had a medicinal purpose. They, could, they were used to treat wounds. They were used to, to heal the sick. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, right? When he was on the side of the road and, and he had been beaten, and the, the Good Samaritan comes along and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to help this guy out. What did he do? He poured oil on him to disinfect. He poured oil on him to help him heal. So this may have been a strictly healing process. Another theory is that this oil acted as almost like an intercessor between the elders who were, who were providing this oil to the person who was receiving it. It was almost like a passing of spirit type of a thing. And I don't know if that's the case. It could be as a symbolic type of a thing. I know that churches of Christ still do this. I talked to a gentleman the other day who told me the elders in his church still do this. They still anoint with oil. But there has to be a spiritual aspect to it. Because why would James have said the elders anointed with oil? If it was just simply a healing process, then anybody could have had the oil. Anybody could have had access to the oil and could have provided the oil. A doctor or, or any layman could have done that. But he specifically says that the elders anointed with oil. And I love that they knew that when they were sick, whether it was spiritual sickness or physical sickness, they knew to go to the elders. And I hope that we are doing the same thing. Let's go to verse 15. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It says, The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The prayer given in faith. Do we have the faith when we pray that God can do what we're asking him to do? Do we truly have the faith that God can do what we're asking him to do? We're going to unpack that here in just a minute. I'm going to go to a couple scriptures from the Gospels where we're going to talk about how that faith was the, the power behind these prayers. But let's go ahead and continue to verse 16 for now. And in verse 16 we read, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love this idea of confessing to one another. And some of you are looking at me and going, wait a minute, you're telling me i got to confess everything to everybody? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there's something powerful when you go to a brother or sister and say, look, this is what I'm struggling with. Could you please pray for me and pray with me? There's something powerful that happens. Because guess what? We're all sinners, right? My sin may look different than your sin, but, but sin is sin. But when you can go to someone, when you can get that off your chest, and when you can say, look, I want you to partner with me, and I want you to pray with me, and I want you to help me get past this. The, the title of this series is We're Better Together. We're Better Together. See, we shouldn't be so proud that we say, I am really struggling with this, but i got to struggle with this alone because I don't want to be judged. 
I've got to struggle with this alone because I don't want people to look down on me in the church. You've got to have that trusted person in your life that you can go to to say, look, this is what I need help with. Because how can we pray intentionally for one another if we don't know what the other person is struggling with? Don't misread this. That's not to say that I can't just pray for people because of course I can. I can pray for Jesse, and I don't have to know what Jesse's struggling with because God knows. But there's something powerful when I can pray specifically for people. That's why when we get together for Bible studies, what do we do? We ask for prayer requests, right? What are you struggling with? What can I help you with? That way we can pray intentionally, not only for the person, but for what they're struggling with. And I think that there's some merit there, and I think that it's powerful. The last part of this says the prayer of a righteous person. And some of you are going, I'm not righteous. But you are, because when you believe in God, when you love God, when you're doing everything you can to follow Jesus Christ, then you are a righteous person. And when you make those prayers in faith, then God will answer. Now, it may not be the answer that you wanted, right? We, we, we serve a sovereign God. It may not be the answer that you wanted. You may be praying for that job promotion. You may not get it. Unfortunately, you may be praying for somebody who's sick, and they may not get well. But see, God has a plan, and God knows, right? God knows what he's going to do with that person. So we have to be prepared that I may very well pray this prayer in faith and get a no. Or I may get a yes, or I may even get a not now. We don't always understand why things happen. But we have to have the faith that God has got this, that God is in control, and I'm going to send those prayers up, and he's going to handle it however he sees fit. Let's go on to verse 17. We're going to talk about Elijah. Elijah was a human being. It says, even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Now, Elijah is one of my favorite Bible characters, and he is the center of probably my favorite Bible story. And for those of you who may not remember, it's, it's when he went against the prophets of Baal, right? And they're both going to build an altar, and they're both going to call their gods down. I love that story, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because we'll get sidetracked and we'll be here until 1230. But I love that story, right? Because it, it, there's humor in it. There's drama in it. There's excitement in it. People say, oh, the Bible's boring. I challenge you to read some of these stories again. But Elijah built his altar. The prophets built the, their altar, they called on their God. He didn't answer. Elijah goes as far as to say things like, well, maybe he's in the restroom. I don't know. And then Elijah proceeds to pour water on his altar. Right? But God still answered his prayer. Now, a little bit later on, we're going to find the scripture that we're going to go to now. And that's going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 and 42. If you would flip with me to 1 Kings 18, 41 and 42. Because we've got to unpack this idea that we just read about how Elijah called down the rain. It says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is a sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. It says he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Verse 43 says, Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. Then he went up and he looked. There's nothing there, he said. <laughs> Seven times Elijah said to go back. 
See, I love, this. I love these, these passages in the Bible like this, right? Because Elijah tells him, he says, hey, go look to the sea and see if you see any rain. And the guy, the guy hollers back, nope, nothing yet. Okay, we'll do it again. Nothing yet. Do it again. Nothing. Over and over and over again. And he did it seven times. Now, we know that that number seven in the Bible, right, is powerful because it's the number of completion. So it's not by happenstance that he did this seven times. But seven times he said, go back. When we get to verse 44, it says, The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. It says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, and the wind rose, and a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezeel. It says, the power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt, and ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Now, I love that, too, because Elijah takes off running and outruns Ahab in the chariot. Think about that. That'd be like you going out to the parking lot and challenging somebody to a race, only you're going to be on foot, and they're going to be in their car. So, we see this story, and the reason that the reason that James brings up Elijah is because Elijah was a man just like you and me. But he had harnessed this power of prayer. He had harnessed this power of prayer through God to the point that he was able to impact the weather. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful thing when you can impact the weather. Now, granted, there's been times I wish I could do that. But he was able to impact the weather. And that's why James points out Elijah. Because his prayers were so powerful because he was so in tune with God that he could actually impact the weather. I want to look briefly at another, at another uh, passage. And this one comes from James. And this is in James chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. So James chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Actually, nope, we're going to back up to James chapter 1, verse 5. Sorry, James chapter 1, verse 5. And this is actually what Stefan read for us a little earlier. But it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. It says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that we do. See, there's another element to this, right? It's not just that we're saying the prayer, it's that we're having faith when we say the prayer. This brought to mind to me a couple of stories that I want to share with you from the Gospels. And I apologize, they're not on the screens because this just came to me this morning because that's how God works sometimes. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, one of my favorite stories from the New Testament. It says, some men brought him a paralyzed man laying on a mat who Jesus saw Excuse me. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart. It says, son, your sins are forgiven. It says, and this, and then some of the teachers of the law 
said to themselves, this fellow is blasphemy. It says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, says your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man, his authority on earth to forgive sins. So he has said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. It says, then the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw that, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. This was the story of the paralytic man who was actually lowered through the roof. And when you know that story, and I know most of you know that story by now, but these, these fellows had enough faith in Jesus Christ that they actually lifted this man up, carried him up to the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lowered him down to get him to Jesus. Now, now this is an amazing story. Because if you think about this, this was back in biblical times. This wasn't today, right, where we would have pulled out some kind of a lift or some kind of a crane or some kind of a forklift, and we'd have just lifted the guy up and put him on the roof or whatever the case may be. These guys had to do some work to get this man to Jesus so that Jesus could heal him. But there was no lack of faith there. They had enough faith that, hey, if we go through all of this effort, right, to, to rig up some kind of a system to pull this man up to the roof, to cut a hole in the roof and lower him down to Jesus, that Jesus is going to heal him. See, that's what faith is all about. Do we have that much faith that if we can just get people to Jesus, that he'll heal them? I hope that we do, because he can and he will. I want to jump over to Mark chapter 9 as we get ready to close. It says, so when they brought him and the, and the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. Now, in case you don't know, this is the story of the, the, the young boy, right, who had been having convulsions. He'd had him his whole life. He'd never been healed. But Jesus comes on the scene, and it says, He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? The man answered, From childhood. It says, It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now, don't miss what Jesus says next. If you can, said Jesus, because what did, the, what did the father say? He says, but if you can do anything. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? See, Jesus knew that he certainly could. But he wants to see if this gentleman has enough faith in him to do it. It says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. It says, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I love that. I love that he says, I do believe and help me overcome my unbelief. Do you ever find yourself in that situation where you have to reach out to God and say, God, look, sometimes I just don't have enough faith that you're in control and that you have this. And sometimes we need to say that exact same thing to Jesus. When we continue with the story, it says, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit says, 
You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that the man said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. It says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. See, prayer and faith healed that young man. Most of you know the story of the centurion's son. Same thing, right? It was about the faith that they had that Jesus could and would heal them, whether it be physically or spiritually. Because remember, back in this time especially, it was always thought that what, 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 did sin, what did sickness come from? Sickness came from sin, right? That's what they believed. They believed that if, that if you had some kind of an illness or some kind of disease, it was because of the way you lived your life. It was because of the mistakes that you'd made. It was because of the sin. But see, Jesus changed all of that. What if? What if we boldly prayed for one another? What if we did that? What if we boldly prayed for one another, for our sins, for our sicknesses, and for the things that we need help with? Imagine the lives that could be changed. Because, see, Jesus Christ has the power to do that. And I just gave you two examples of that. This isn't some kind of healing where, 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 where a man stands on the stage and, and says, oh, come forward and I'll heal you. No. These were people who had legitimate health concerns. And Jesus healed them. People can be healed of their sin and their sickness if it's God's will. But we've got to tap into that through the power of prayer. So, how do we do that? We've got to confess our sins to one another. And again, I'm not saying you've you even got to come forward at the end of church and say, I've done this, this, and this. What I'm saying is, if there's something that you're struggling with, find an accountability partner who's willing to study with you, who's willing to pray with you, and who's willing to not judge you, but to help you. Because, see, we're better together. We're better together. You don't have to do it alone. See, God never designed us to be alone. If he did, this world would look very different. But he knew from the very beginning, once he created Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave him Eve. They started churches in the book of Acts, right? The early church. They came together because he knew that being together was the way to go. We're stronger together. We're better together. We're more courageous together. And let's pray bold prayers. Don't be afraid to pray bold prayers. Like I said, you may not always get the answer that you want. But we can't be afraid to pray bold prayers and put it in God's hands and trust that power that he has. But again, what goes along with that is we got to accept his answers. Because remember, his answer may be yes, his answer may be no, or his answer may be not right now. And sometimes that can be really hard to take, right? Sometimes our prayers don't go the way we want. But see, that's what having faith 
is all about. It's the having enough faith that God knows what he's doing. And even though it wasn't the answer that you wanted, he is still sovereign. And he is still carrying out his plan for the world. In just a moment, Jesse's going to come up and, and sing another song for us, which we call the Song of Invitation. And there's a couple things that go along with this. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've never made that public confession that you want to be a Christ follower, that you want to dedicate the rest of your life to following Christ. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. You can come forward. We'll be happy to talk to you, to pray with you. We can baptize you for the remission of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm also going to ask uh, Brother Bruce to come down and Brother Coberto to come down and Brother Ken to come down. Because just like we read about today, maybe you, you would like the, the prayers or the help of one of the mature Christians or one of the elders of our congregation. We're going to invite them to come join us in just a moment as well so that they can talk with you and they can pray with you and they can help you with whatever it is that you may be struggling with. We want to invite you to do that as we stand together and as we sing. Again, we want to thank you so much for being with us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ this morning. It was just a beautiful day to come together to worship and to sing songs of praises unto him. Would you please join me as I close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us, and we thank you so much for this church family that meets here at Mission Viejo and for the church that meets around the world. Heavenly Father, just help us to remember to pray with one another, to remember to pray for one another, and just to pray those bold prayers. Because Heavenly Father, we know that you are all-powerful and that you can and will hear and answer our prayers. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to leave here today, we ask that you would just be with us. Help us to make decisions that will always follow you. Most of all, we thank you for sending your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to pray with one of our elders, please feel free to come forward. Otherwise, we are dismissed, and we hope to see you all tonight at 6.30. Oh, Lord, you've searched me. You know my way. Even when I fail you, I know you. See you.